0: Welcome once again to this videocast on the Creator and the Created. We will be speaking today about the life of God. And St. Thomas Aquinas treats this in question 18 of the first part of the Summa Theologiae. Sacred, Sacred Scripture, more than a few times, refers to the living God. This title is not just metaphorical but real in the most ultimate sense, for only God is truly alive. The first thoughts or images that come to us when we hear the word life is that of natural creatures, of trees growing, of squirrels feeding, of how age affects us and animals, or of the miracle of new birth of new life, of birth, it seems to us hard to place the all-powerful, perfect, and transcendent God in at least this category of thought. It certainly is true that in the natural world we can easily distinguish the living from the non-living, whether they are now deceased, or are those things that were never capable of life? St. Thomas following Aristotle will state that the main characteristics of a living being is that of movement, but of movement that comes from the living being itself. Sometimes we call water living because it moves and waves in a stream or flows out of a fountain, yet We know this only to be metaphorical, because we are very much aware that water is not a living being. This movement that a living creature is capable of springs, not from gravity or from any external force, but from the very center of each living being. There are certainly different kinds of operations or movements that only a living being can perform. By its own power, it can go from one place to another. It grows in size, it feeds, and turns the food into itself. It reproduces more of its kind. Yet even if these moons are fundamental to distinguish life in natural beings, there are other movements or operations that are hierarchical not all living beings are capable of them. Like acquiring knowledge, not just knowing where to feed, but learning the essences of things, being capable to name all the animals of creation. The intellectual life is a movement from ignorance to knowledge, or even from ignorance to wisdom. Nevertheless, all these operations, kinds, or characteristics of life, state that a certain substance is living. To live, however, is even more fundamental than the operations of life. It is the being that lives. Life not only comes from its center, but to live means that one is of this nature. It is of the nature of this substantial being to live. Life is identifiable with the nature of certain beings. These operations of life that span the hierarchy of living beings are caused by the nature of such a being. They are finalized movements from their substance or substantial form. In man, to eat, to grow, to reproduce, to learn, are even conditioned by his liberty. They come from his very existence as living natural, as living a natural being. However, we find that God is not a natural being, not only because he is uncreated, but because he is also immaterial. The life in God will necessarily exclude any physical operations. Or characteristics of life. God's lack of a natural body means that he is never hungry nor does he need to grow physically nor there is there any tendency towards reproduction. In man the greatest operation of his life is contemplation, the summit of the intellectual life. Not just to know but to know the greatest object of intellection, God. And God knows himself. For man to know and to know God is a movement from ignorance to wisdom that is possible in man due to his nature. He is made that way. It is natural to know God as much as he is, as God is the end of the whole intellectual life. Certainly God is not an object of knowledge, not a direct object of knowledge, like other beings, like or like being as such, ends. Natural knowledge of God will always be through the knowledge of the effects of creation. And yet, the arrival at this knowledge leave, leaves man unsatisfied. And thus, direct revelation of God to man, even if naturally unattainable, seems almost necessary for the perfection of the human intellect. In fact, the immortality of man's soul is shown by the fact that the intellectual life is essentially independent of the body, even if there is a dependence. For, natu- for naturally, nothing is in the intellect that has not passed through the senses. Thus, one can speak of a natural desire to see God, that which the soul's immortality is finalized towards. Man is a creature created in the image of God, and one of the signs of this is man's intellectual life. If man is capable of such a spiritual or immaterial operation, it is because he has something that is of God. God has an intellect, He is his intellect, and unlike the intellectual life of men and angels, which is imperfect, which is impotency, always seeking to move from ignorance to knowledge, always attaining an object outside themselves, God's intellectual life is self-sufficient. Aristotle was not wrong When defined, in the twelfth book of the metaphysics, he defined God as self-contemplative thought. Nuesseos nuecis, thought of thought. Even if there is more to God than this definition, we can't even put God in the definition in the end. The operation of life that is highest in the most perfect creatures is in God his very being. The intellectual life in God is identifiable with God's very life. The simplicity of the, of the Divine Nature allows no separation between his being and his operations. To understand is to live, and in God who is truth, his life is to think, like it is also to love but this will we be speaking of when we speak of God's will and about his love in the next video casts thank you for listening and until tomorrow at 9:30